So let me invite you to take out your teaching notes. Uh, today uh, we're starting uh, this new season of Lent. Now, isn't it interesting that um, uh, when you come to church, when you come to church, you hear this churchy language. Isn't that true? And I, and I know I, I look out into some of your faces on Sunday morning, and when I say a word, and you're kind of saying, huh? What does that mean, Tom? And so I'm going to assume that uh, no one knows what this word Lent really means. And so we're just going to start at some bottom-level understanding. I know uh, Kaylin included in her prayer, Bronwyn included it. So I'm just going to add to that. So here, here's what we know, Lent. Uh, Lent is a 40-day season of time, not including Sundays, uh, that help us with two things. It helps us uh, with both reflection and preparation uh, for the Easter celebration. Reflection, write, that, write down these two words. I didn't leave a space for that, but just write it down anyways. Reflection and preparation as we look towards the celebration of Easter. But we're not just going to walk to Easter. We're not just going to journey to Easter. We're going to do it with purpose because we're going to focus in these next several weeks, this season of Lent, uh, and, and see what God can do in our hearts and our minds and souls uh, as we prepare. So, um, so why, why 40 days? Where did that number come from? So for most traditions, 40 days is uh, that period of time uh, when Jesus was living up in Nazareth after he came back as a boy to the city of Nazareth, which is located in the northern part of the country of Israel, uh, a little bit south of, uh, of, of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, there Jesus was uh, from maybe from the age of eight, nine years of age until he was starting his earthly ministry about the age of 28, 29, 30 uh, and so then at the beginning of his earthly ministry, uh, Jesus was sent by the, the power of God to move from Nazareth down to, uh, by the River Jordan, all the way down to the New Testament city of Jericho, just a little bit north of the Dead Sea. And there he met his uh, cousin, who is John the Baptist, and he had John the Baptist baptize him. And when Jesus came up out of the water, the scripture says uh, that the heavens opened and the power of God fell down upon him. And that was the, the power of God to say, you're, you're going to begin your ministry. Now, the way Jesus began his ministry was that Jesus separated himself from all people. And right next to the New Testament city of Jericho, you are right in the Judean wilderness, desert area. And so Jesus goes out into the desert, the scripture tells us, and it is there that he is tempted by the devil, by the evil power, for 40 days. And in those 40 days, uh, the, the, he has to be doing both reflection and preparation, prayer and fasting, in order to be ready to be the person that God is calling him to be, the Son of God, the presence of God in the world to redeem the world, to bring hope to the world. And this is why we have 40 days. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. We are in the wilderness. And through prayer, reflection, and preparation, we're going to experience the power of the resurrection. And that's why we spend time in the six weeks. This will be a six-week series. And so uh, uh, we're, we're called to have a faithful walk with Christ in this season. And the, and the big question is, how do we do it? So we're going to reflect, but we're going to prepare. And so in the series, I'm, I'm entitling the series The Journey. If you look at the front cover of the bulletin, I think Brahman captured the essence of, of my sermon really well. It is this journey that we're going to be taking from uh, where we are today to where God wants us to be. But we're, taking, we're allowing Jesus to take the leadership in this journey. And today the theme is going to be Journey to Faith. 
And we're going to be looking at four, we're going to be looking at four, um, uh, four ways of drawing close to Christ. Four ways of becoming, of, uh, uh, let me get the exact words that I want for you. Uh, four stages of commitment. That's what, that's what I want us to be looking at today. Four stages of commitment. So uh, with the Bibles you brought with you, thank you for some of you who held up your Bibles when you walked in and you showed me that you brought your Bibles. Thank you. That was about three people. Uh, Scott, that's very good that you pulled out the Bible that's in front of you. Uh, or you can pull out the Bible in front of you, or you can just look at the screen. So here, here's what we're going to be doing. How do you get faith into your life? How do you get faith into your life? Listen as the Word of God is spoken and revealed to you. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep waters a little uh, and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, uh, we've worked all night long and we haven't, caught a, we haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When, when they had done so, they caught so, such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Uh, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon Peter's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him, followed Jesus. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. So that's the way it begins. That's the way it begins. It begins with Jesus getting into your boat. And it begins by understanding that it is a process to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes, I believe it is a decision, but it is really a process for us to move deep in our faith. Many of us uh, today are walking along the seashore and we are walking literally with the water there and your feet up here. And the water of faith is not touching your feet, you're looking at it simply. Others of you have uh, your feet uh, touching the water and, and, and you're feeling something new and fresh uh, around you, but you haven't quite gotten deep into faith. Some of you are, are if this water, if this is a water level where, where my right foot is, and you're, you're getting into the water and you're beginning to experience what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And others of you are getting deeper and deeper and deeper into your faith. And my question is, uh, uh, 
do you have to have your feet touch uh, the bottom of the ocean or the bottom of the river in order for you to, to feel the safety of faith? Or what would happen in your life if you decided that you, you didn't really care about how safe your faith was, but that you were going to go out and swim deep in the faith? And periodically, you're going to come in and have your feet touch uh, the, the, the bottom of the ocean, and then you're going to go back out and swim deep in faith again. But it begins someplace. And I believe it begins by having a process to move you from where you are today to where God is calling you to be. It is a process. Now, this, uh, this process, has, I, I believe it has four core functions. And, and I'm, I'm going to review with you these four core functions in just a very few minutes. But as I go through these four functions, some of you in this room have been part of a church, part of your faith tradition for a very long time. Some of you watching wherever you are at home or wherever you are, you've been a part of your faith tradition for a very long time. So when I mention something, when I mention one of the four or all four of these, and, the, and I just simply want to invite you to think about that moment in time in which you experience what I'm talking about. Others of you, though, are, this will be brand new. And I pray that this, trans this moment will be a moment of transformation for your life. So let me begin. Let me, let me begin. Let me, let me share with you these four. Here's the first one I think that you need to write down. Number one. Number one is interest. That we must have an interest. Uh, what we find in the story is that Peter lets Jesus take him fishing. Peter literally lets Peter take him fishing. Looking at this text, uh, Luke 5 verses 3 through 4. Uh, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push, at, push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught, and the crowd, uh, taught the crowd from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Look at the first part of that, verse number three. It says, Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. See, what happens is, what the most important thing is that we have to first have an interest in who this Jesus really is. There's something that creates an interest in our hearts, our minds, our souls, uh, that we want to know more about who this is. And Jesus always, always, always comes into our space. It's never a time that we will uh, have to go find Jesus. Jesus is not somewhere playing hide-and-seek with you, thinking that uh, he's going to make you come and find him. No. Jesus is always going to be there. So Jesus entered into that boat with Peter, and he just says, Peter, here I am, and let's go out fishing. Let's go have some fun catching a lot of fish. Now, reality, Jesus in the physical form, I've never experienced I've experienced in the, in the scriptures, I've experienced it in, in, in song, I've experienced it in a lot of different ways, but I've never experienced the physical Jesus, but I have experienced Jesus in you. I have experienced Jesus in you. 
I, I've experienced Jesus and Jerry Morris, who, 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 who really, as I said, came into my heart and my mind, really at a, at a significant moment in my life. I, I, I saw Jesus and Bob Wall, this retired pastor who gave his life for the ministry of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I saw. But let me tell you about my life. Because not, not all of you know my, this part of the story. Uh, you know, many of you know, if you've been around, uh, I am the 13th minister in my family. Last thing I want to do. Um, the, the, um, um, I grew up in a great Christian home. My mother and father, Carl and Betty Schaefer, great Christian parents, gave me everything I needed uh, to, to become a follower of Christ, uh, made sure that I got to summer camp, made sure that I went to vacation Bible school, made sure I had all those opportunities. And then there was that day that I graduated from high school and I went off to college. Does anything else need to be said? <laughs> Some of you know exactly what happened. So I decided to take a little detour and I decided to walk away from Christ and that not he, remember, he has never left me and never left you, but I took a little detour. And so, um, you know, I, I started with a, uh, my, uh, well, I, I had several majors. The first major that I had was religion, and that went by the wayside in a hurry. And then I had a philosophy. And then I had a, a, a philosophy or um, um, a history major. Then I had um, a, um, um, God, what was the other one? It was really influential in my life. And, and then finally, finally, I ended up with a degree in theatrical lighting design. Yeah. And uh, so, um, and the way I made it, because I almost, I, I really almost flunked out of college um, after the third semester, I had a whopping uh, 1.8 grade point average. Some of you were competing with me, I know. And, and so, um, uh, I just turned to my mother and father and I said, look it, um, you, are, you all are no longer responsible for my tuition. I'm going to take care of it. If I blow it, I blow it, but it's going to be on me, not you. And so um, to make it, um, I, I decided to become a roadie uh, for two summers. Um, why I love lighting and sound so much is because uh, that's my background. That's what I love to do. And uh, so one summer I was a roadie for Grand Funk Railroad. Another summer I was a roadie for the Moody Blues. And I looked a lot different than I am today. Um, <laughs> And so one day I was, tra I was uh, helping set the lights for a show for the Moody Blues, it was, I can remember this. Um, it's amazing that I can remember that. Um, and so they put us in a Swiss belt and there was two of us that were lightweight but we loved to be up high, uh, physically high and high. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean by that? And so I, I, you know, I was having a good time and, and so, um, so I was up there flying and they were fixing the lights. In fact, I, I, I was at my workbench the other day and I found this wrench. This is the actual wrench I use because it has this black rope around my, so in case I was stupid, I wouldn't drop it on somebody's head. Um, and so I was working and so uh, the guy that I was working with though, his name is Ralph. And Ralph uh, bounced over to where I was focusing lights and this was before moving lights, okay? Um, but so he, he said, Tom, and I'll never forget these words. He says, Tom, you're going to kill yourself. He wasn't really worried about the height. 
but he was worried about the other high. Now, what you need to know about Ralph is that Ralph is a person who, before every single show, would call all the roadies together, all the grips, all, all, all of us, and he would have prayer. And most of us would go to that. But Ralph, from that point on, decided that he was going to be showing me Christ in powerful ways. And so... Ralph became this companion in life that showed me Christ, that revealed Christ to me, that was the, the person of Christ. He spoke truth, he spoke scripture, he spoke prayers, he spoke this, this word to me that took me from where I was in this challenging time and allowed me, helped me, I should say, to experience Christ. I'm so happy that I had and I have a Ralph in my life. And here's the reality, what I want to say to you. There's a, there's a moment in time, there is that uh, interest that all of us need to have. And can you remember that moment in which Christ, you became interested in Christ? Or maybe you haven't even had that yet. And you're up here, you're saying, well, if a pastor who's been a pastor for 42 years, came from that, maybe I could find my way into the church. And that others in the church, like us gathered and those watching, that we might be Christ to one another. Christ to one another. That's, there needs to be that interest. Here's the second one. The second one is this. The second one is there needs to be a revelation. There needs to be uh, that aha moment. There needs to be that epiphany moment in which uh, what uh, Peter was experiencing uh, when he caught that m a massive amount of fish, uh, that, that Jesus was there, that Jesus was the one sent by God. There's a, that epiphany moment that says uh, that there's something true about this this aha moment. The, these aha moments in our lives come when we're experiencing great success in our lives. And these epiphany moments, these aha moments come when we're struggling with life. When we're really facing the challenges of life. They come in lyrics from a song. They come from a brief scripture they come from somebody like you who's willing to go out and tell, tell somebody you matter to God and you also matter to the church. But there's that, e that epiphany, revelation moment. I think the third one is that I went through, and I, I, re I remember this so clearly, is that there is that fear moment fear. You know, when, when you're looking at the scriptures and the story of Peter uh, with Jesus in that boat, uh, when, when they bring in that huge catch of fish and, and Peter is there and he's looking at this massive amount, massive amount of fish, he, he goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, get away from me. Uh, I am unholy. You are holy. Uh, I, I, I am a sinful man, the scripture says. Can anyone else raise your hand? 
I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I am somebody who has, who has walked away from you. And, I, and, I, and there have been moments in which I have been prideful about my walking away from God. And yet, there is that moment in which Jesus speaks to each and every one of us and cares for our souls cares for our pain, cares for our need. There is that moment of fear. I, I, I look back at the, all the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, and I'm thinking, you know, if I look at those, those stories, you know, God used people just like us to do mighty things. People were not special. People, people were just like us, but we just, they allowed themselves to be used. I think about, like, who? Moses, for example. Look at Exodus chapter uh, 3, verse 6. And in this text, it says, Moses, uh, who was up in a mountain, he was tending sheep, and, and God comes to him in a burning bush. And, and Moses says, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I don't belong here. The truth is that every single one of us, without, a, without, a, without any um, um, reservation at all, I, I can say, all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And, and we have this fear, I'm not worthy. In a few moments, we're going to be celebrating Holy Communion. Uh, back in my early years, I used to uh, love to read the old, old liturgy of the church. And the liturgy of the church, when you're breaking the bread, and the liturgy of the church said, I am not worthy to gather up the crumbs from under thy table. But... Because of thy great and manifold mercy. This is my translation now. I don't, I, I don't sit at the uh, feet down here and gather the crumbs, but I now sit at the banquet table. Do you realize how special you are? Do you realize how much God loves you? Do you realize how much God wants you to be not, not gathering at the crumbs, but God says, you are so special, I'm going to invite you. No matter how broken you are, no matter how sinful you are, God is saying, I want you to sit at the banquet table because you matter to me. And nothing, nothing will separate me from you. So some of you right now, you need to be saying, God, I fear you because I know that I'm a sinful person. I know that I'm a sinful man. I know that I'm a sinful woman. I know that I have done things. But when you come up here and you receive that bread, when you receive that bread, it is that moment in time when you, take, when you receive that bread, the body of Christ, and you take that bread and you place it into the chalice and you remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you for your sins, for your, your stupidity, for my stupidity. Wow. See, when you walk out of here, you are a different person if you will claim it. If you will claim it. So there's that fear. Can I draw near? Yes, I can draw near. Here's the last one. There's faith. So when, Je when, when Jesus told Peter, go back to shore, he took the boat back to shore, and then Peter had to make a decision. And here's faith. The faith that Peter showed was that when he got out of the boat, he didn't say to Jesus, hey, I'll see you later. But, he said, but the scripture says he got out of the boat and he followed, he followed Jesus. 
And there is that why moment. There is that moment in which Peter had to say, yes, I'm going to go with Jesus, or no, I'm not. And that's the decision that you have today. Yes, I'm going to go with Jesus. No, I'm not. Let me, let me see if I can make it real simple. Uh, I think it was last week I, I shared that Karen and I, my wife and I, celebrated, have uh, just celebrated in January our 42nd wedding anniversary. Now, what many of you don't know is that it could have been 43. Could have been 43 years. And the reason it could have been 43 years is uh, if Karen would have just said the f- yes the first time I asked her to marry me. <laughs> but the first time I asked Karen to marry me was three weeks after we started dating. I don't see a problem with that. So Karen had to come. She heard me. She, she heard me say, Karen, please marry me. No. Now, I kept chasing. But she said, not now, really, is what she said. Seven months later, I come up to Karen. Karen, please marry me. This time, she said yes. 42 years. See, my question to you is, you are standing or sitting right where you are right now. Those of you watching home, you're sitting right where you are. This is a moment in time in which when you come up for Holy Communion, is you have an option to make. Just like Peter, you have the option to make, yes, I want to follow Christ. Or you may say, no. Or you may say, not now. But please listen. Jesus isn't going anywhere. Jesus is still going to be with you. My prayer, my hope for you, is that God will come and stir within you this very, very moment. And that you would just say, yes, I will follow. Amen.